You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Steve? I am well. I feel like $100, I guess. I was going to maybe Good. say 99 because okay. I'm a little tired. But no, we'll go for the full 100 I think it's going to be a great show. I'm excited. And our first show together in a while. So it's good to be back on the show with you. So how are things? They're good. I love how you say a while. It's been like two weeks. <laughs> I feel, you know, maybe that's just my sense of time being warped. It feels like much feels longer. Like uh, no. we, I did some shows in China. We've run a couple of them so far, but you were unable to, to join us because you were up on the big stage closing HR Tech China at the time. So maybe just for a minute, I've been talking a little bit about China uh, on those shows, but maybe Trish, from your perspective as the the chairwoman or chairperson, I hope I I don't know Trish what you prefer, chairperson or chairwoman. Chairwoman as the chairwoman of that show, maybe just for give us like ninety seconds on on the China experience. Could you? I, I'd like to hear it. No, I would love to. Thank you. It was you know it was interesting because that's not something that I have done very much of. Obviously, I'm you know into public speaking. I've been doing that for a long time, but to actually chair an event. Um, you know, as you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of just blood, sweat and tears going into the planning phase of that and enjoyed that thoroughly. And um, it's such a rewarding thing when it all comes together. But, you know, when you're doing that in another country where English is, you know, definitely not the the primary language and, and not even the secondary language, there are challenges with that. I thought that the um, the LRP team and DLG, our partner there in China, worked seamlessly together on that. Um, I don't know if anyone else has been to to events where you don't really speak the language, but the one thing that I found most challenging, especially from you know the standpoint of being on stage a lot and being able to introduce people is you really have to listen to your interpreters. You really have to be looking on, you know, they have a wonderful phone app that had um, translation services built right, right. in. So that was fun. But it makes you so much more hyper-focused on every single speaker and every word they say, which is a little trying at times, right? Just because you're you're paying complete attention, but so rewarding. So I think probably in, I could say safely in the last 10 years, that is the conference that I have literally spent the most focus on and came out with learning quite a bit. I think my big takeaway though, from you know listening to all of the um, both vendors and practitioners, and then some of the, you know, dignitaries there, the government officials, is that there are probably a lot more similarities among yeah. people, even between the United States and China, which, you know, for someone who might not have traveled there before, or only hears, you know, what's filtered through the news, you might not think that. But really, when it comes down to how people work, and what they're wanting to do, and what they want to have from a capability standpoint, from their 
their people technologies. It's very, very similar. Um, culturally, a little bit different, obviously, sometimes of how things are communicated or maybe, you know, how often things need to be communicated. And, and that's true anywhere in the world, I think. But the actual technologies, they were just phenomenal. Um, so I was excited. I was excited to be part of it. And I'm really looking forward to going back again and sort of seeing how things progress in the next year, because it feels like um, the Chinese you know, HR technology market is every bit as vibrant as what we have here. And they are really, really interested in partnering with some of the vendors from the United States as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say many of the same things. And I actually wrote many of the same things as well. Maybe I'll throw a link in the show notes to the kind of wrap up piece I wrote in HR executive about the event, which ran a few days ago. So uh, yeah, super event. So Trish, thanks for sharing that. I, I had a ball in China, of course, and we didn't even talk about the Singapore event. We'll have to do another maybe conversation about that at, at a later time. A couple of quick announcements before we get on with today's show, though, Trish, because I do, we do want to welcome our guest here. Uh, we're booking, we're booking shows, lots of stuff happening on the HR Happy Hour. You can find us at HR Happy Hour on Twitter. You can email us, steve at h3hr.com or trish at h3hr.com. And finally, make sure to check out the Alexa show. I did one this morning. I had a few minutes and did a really cool one this morning. I thought uh, was kind of interesting, all about culture fit and culture ad and kind of the approach to hiring. And I uh, had some good quotes from a former HR Happy Hour show guest as well, uh, Ms. Delisa Alexander, who's the CHRO at Red Hat. So uh, it was kind of cool to see her writing about that. And I talked about that on the Alexa show. Finally, hrtechconference.com for that. Uh, use my code Steve300 for $300 off your registration. And finally, finally, for our, uh, this is kind of a great show because we, we've been uh, working with Panopto for a while. And right. uh, folks who've been hearing me talk about them for businesses and universities, Panopto is everything YouTube isn't with enterprise-grade security, built-in recording and live streaming, and a unique search engine that finds any word spoken in any video, Panopto is how professionals share knowledge. And with that, we are welcoming today as our guest from Panopto, Mr. Sam Crumley. Sam is the Vice President of Employee Experience at Panopto, the fastest growing provider of video software for training, teaching, and presenting. In his role, Sam has broad responsibility for talent planning, recruiting, learning, compensation, HR administration, and work environment. And before Panopto, Sam led the talent management consulting practice at People Firm with a particular focus on talent strategy, HR transformation, performance management, and HR technology. Prior to that, he served as a global manager for HR outsourcing at Accenture. And this is the best part of the bio coming up right now, Trish. Right. He has a background as a federal agent. I wonder how much we'll be able to learn about that. I love Sam, it. Sam, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Thanks, thanks. Uh, great to be here. Sam, you win. Best bio ever, just with that <laughs> last line. So I'm not, I'm not going to drill you on that because my sense is we can't really talk about it anyway or maybe don't want to, but that's pretty cool. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, I did it just for the, just for the bio effect. That's perfect. Oh, I tell you, you win, you win. <laughs> Before that, our best bio, I had a woman who came on last year or so who she used to illustrate comic books, right, in her spare time. And I thought that was pretty cool. But I think uh, I think you trump her on that. So, Sam, we have been talking about Panopto a lot. So without kind of reading kind of the, the promo again, but, for you know, just maybe give us a little bit more from someone who's there, you know, at the company, kind of what, what's Panopto all about and kind of why is this why are these tools and technologies kind of resonating with organizations in the way that they are? 
Sure, sure. Um, I'll talk a little bit uh, about Panopto as a company because uh, I have the privilege of uh, leading people functions for a company that provides tools for um, other organizations and, and employees. So it's kind of a great balance where I not only lead the um, you know HR and, and people functions, but I have been in our expo booth at conferences demoing our product. So it's kind of a great position to be in where I am supporting an organization that sells something that I really believe in mm-hmm. uh, and use on a daily basis. And that's that's kind of what I really like to get across is, you know, anyone um, is a user and consumer of content and knowledge. Um, and, you know, Panopto is a great, is a great tool as part of that portfolio of tools for how employees, um, you know, do their work, share things, learn, um, and uh, become experts. So it's, it's a, I'm lucky in that that I, I get to uh, use something that I believe in, and it actually is what we sell uh, to our customers. Yeah, Sam, thanks for that. And, and, and what's interesting, too, is is I'd imagine the Panopto, much like many of the, the newer and emerging technologies we see in HR tech, they're developed as a response to something, right? Like sometimes entrepreneurs develop a new technology because they've had a hard time, say, getting employees enrolled in payroll and benefits, right? So they they create a, a better tool to enable those processes, et cetera. And Panopto, it seems to me, has responded to changes or the need to adapt, right, to, to ways people either want to learn or maybe just learn more effectively. Is, is that something you've observed and, and, or, or maybe said differently? How are kind of expectations and desires for consuming uh, enterprise or workplace content sort of driven what's happening over there? Sure, sure, and and you mentioned it a little bit in the in the tagline at the beginning, which is, um, we are. If if you think about how somebody searches for knowledge, um, and I don't mean knowledge as in, you know, how to be a great leader, but how do I create this report in Salesforce, or how do I, um, what what are the key components of of certain laws or regulations? Um, the first thing naturally people do now is search. So it, it beyond um, your LMS or wherever you hope people are finding uh, things to, to help them do their jobs, um, I've actually sat behind somebody who, when I ask a question, switches their browser over to Google uh, <laughs> and tries to find the answer. So, uh, or they need to figure out how to you know, implement a certain hardware product. Uh, and the first thing they'll do is go to YouTube and see how somebody else did it. So if that's the way, uh, if that's the behavior um, that's happening, um, we've really responded with, how do you respond to that to provide somebody with quick access to what they're looking for? And that's, um, off, you know, that's through searchability because um, all of our content is uh, searchable by, by speech recognition and character recognition. So um, you can quickly get to what you're looking for, but also we go to the show, don't tell, approach um to learning which is i want to see it happening yeah Um, and video allows you to do that it allows you to have somebody describe it it allows you to show on screen um so and and in terms of having a a knowledge sharing platform there's some type of interactability so there's a way that you can uh create and and weigh into a discussion thread or provide feedback to the to the knowledge owner 
or even you know put a five star rating on something. So there's those are all things that as consumers we do uh, all the time, and we are providing a component to your infrastructure that allows employees to do that at work and and you know increase speed to access, increase speed to productivity, and increase um, the the level of knowledge sharing that's happening. Sam, it's interesting. Uh, you talked about employees going out to Google or probably out to YouTube right at times, right, to find, to help them find answers or help them find information. And I think what's interesting, and I'd love for you to comment about how sort of the difference, though, between, say, I was having an issue with my garage door opener recently, (laughs) right? And so I didn't really worry about going out to YouTube to try to figure out, you know, someone who maybe made a video to help me recalibrate the garage door settings, right? That's kind of low risk, I guess, right? I, I suppose. But inside organizations, a lot of what people are searching for is very sensitive, maybe, or uh, proprietary, certainly, or or just not the kinds of stuff you either you want out on YouTube or you even, even is out there at all. I, I'd love for you to comment just a little bit about kind of the mindset of, of, of making all kinds of information searchable, discoverable, accessible, uh, but also protecting information in the organization, right? Because I'd imagine most of your customers, maybe even yourself as users of, of, of the tools, have to worry about the, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way I look at it, there's, this, there's a, always a tension between uh, the knowledge seeker uh, and the knowledge owner. And uh, historically, the, you know, the seeker, you know, when I started my career and I wanted to learn something, I would go on the LMS and figure out if there's something that exists or sign up for a class that's, you know, three weeks in the future, right? There's, that's, that's the behavior that we had previously. And now it's, it's, there's an immediacy to it. There's a, a chaos to learning and an unpredictability that we have to respond to, but we've also had all these behaviors to protect knowledge, um, to, uh, make it accessible only to a certain number of people to um, organize it in a way that makes sense to whoever's in charge of governing that uh, those assets. Um, but you know, there's it, I'm not advocating putting all of your uh, corporate information out on YouTube, right. um, and nor even a you know a YouTube channel, but. Um, we have a lot of assets already where we're doing this internally. Uh, our LMS is like that. Um, email, uh, there's a lot of stuff in email that um, you wouldn't want to get out. Um, yet we're not uh, putting a lot of guardrails and watching people do their email. That's so, true, right? Just about everybody who's got access to the corporate email can hit the forward button at any time <laughs> and send it just about yeah. anywhere. I guess that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, so there's a behavioral element and there's a cultural element to it. Um, so. I, when I say cultural, you know, I, I hope that every uh, employee has the expectation that if they need something, they'll be able to find it. Um, and there's an expectation on the organization that uh, users will uh, use our tools appropriately if we model it correctly and, and give them guidance on, on how to use it. And our platform, as an example, um, is similar to something like um, uh, Slack or any type of internal messaging tool, right? We're not we're not sending messages out into the uh, into the mysterious cloud when we're 
on Slack, we are inside of our environment, inside of our instance and inside of our channels that are maintained and owned within the company. And the same thing is, is true with, with video. Um, we control access, we can control expiration of content, um, we can monitor usage. And I think if you, if you think about governance going from creating structures and rules to monitoring analytics and usage and user feedback, you can respond um, much more accurately to what's needed, what's being used, what's being discussed, what's being challenged, uh, rather than have to create a bunch of controls up front. You're really looking at how much, thing, how much, uh, how many things are being recommended or shared or um, flagged in the system and respond to user behavior rather than try to predict that and create controls up front. You know, you're talking about the ability to sort of monitor um, usage and, and participation with the content or interactivity with the content. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the customers that you have and who tends to be, I guess, two questions, who tends to be the person or, or, you know, department responsible for sort of, um, viewing that is it hr is it the person's business leader or is it both i guess and then um second question related to that is once whoever it is that's sort of getting these analytics around usage of the content or viewing of the content um are you seeing companies start to really do some different things now that they have that extra piece of knowledge they might not have before yeah, um, and, and and really the the monitoring or the the um, the, the consumption of analytics can vary. Um, sometimes it is uh, an L and D function. Okay. Um, sometimes it's the actual um, functional owner. Um, so if it's highly used, for example, by a sales uh, team for sales enablement, mm-hmm. then you might have a sales ops person who's monitoring that. Um, so. You know, it's it's somebody um, who's who's obviously going to do something about the data, um, but is also very close to um, kind of the, uh, the owner of um, of the of the function. Okay, and, so some flexibility then with the tool, right? It doesn't have yeah. to. Like I think sometimes people think, oh, it has to be human resources, or or specifically if they have an L and D function. So really, though, it, it sounds like it's dependent on really the culture and needs of the organization as to who's going to maybe yeah. be responsible for next steps. Yeah. And, um, you know, we uh, early on uh, at Panopto, m- many of our customers uh, and still are many of our customers are um, colleges and universities. So in that case, you might have a department uh, liaison that's responsible for monitoring it, or it might be the actual professor. Um, looking at their own courses and lectures and and seeing what's happening because in some cases those analytics will show you where where people are responding very positively and sometimes it'll show you where you have a problem Um, so if you're looking at content let's say it's a a 20 minute uh, meeting or training video uh, but you look at the statistics and everybody's watching minutes four through seven um, and nothing else. So there's something about minutes four through seven that's <laughs> very positive or very negative um, that you can explore rather than saying, you know, this course in general is being consumed at a certain rate um, and not really knowing what type of user behavior there is once people are, are viewing it. 
Um, and that gets to your second question, which is what do people do about it? Right. Um, and that that's one of those things. Do we do we um, target things that are highly used that need to be promoted further? Um, do we find that people stop uh, consuming it after 11 minutes? And therefore, do we need to adjust our approach to only creating 10 minute uh, modules? So there are structural outputs or outcomes from that analytics. There are tactical and then there are more strategic. How do we want to invest in more of these types of things? Uh, judging by how people interact with it, how the feedback that's provided, the level of, of inter internal discussion and interaction between the consumers and users and employees um, to make better use of, of how we're investing money in it. Well, Sam, you know what, and just to follow up, I don't mean to dominate the conversation from Steve, but um, one of the things I find most fascinating about what um, you're doing there with that type of sort of feedback, right, that you're able to give your customers is that, you know, for the longest time, I feel like when I worked in HR or even, you know, in the years being an analyst, a lot of what you see is things get measured, but then it doesn't, it, there's like a, so like, so what, right? There's never a, what you can do about it. And and I love how you kind of gave examples there um, of both sort of looking at it positively and maybe even, you know, finding out some, some negative space where people are, are doing something that, you know, you don't want to include going forward, because I think that's what I see. Like sometimes people have had learning, you know, whether it was instructor-based learning or whether it was maybe other types of video learning, or if you think your people are on YouTube, you're not able to then sort of do the so what at the end and make those little adjustments to what they are consuming because you're just sort of maybe measuring like, oh, we put a video course together and now we can tell you a hundred people watched it, but but so what, right? It doesn't tell you that <laughs> sort of that next step. So I'm always kind of like, um, who is that guy, Steve? There used to be a, a radio show where it was like, and now the rest of the story. Was that Paul Harvey? Oh, that Paul right? Harvey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I feel like there needs to be like what Sam is giving us, yay, is like, and here's the rest of the story, right? So it's it's great to have, um, you know, capabilities to do some training. It's even better if you can have some video training. But here's the rest of the story. It's like, what do you do with that? So for me, um, Sam, I love that you kind of like close that loop, right? For the customers and uh, potential customers. On, yeah. Here's the rest yeah. of the story, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, there are examples that, that we see every day uh, where our customers, once you put something like this in the hands of employees, they'll find even more uses for it. Um, and that's that's also fascinating, you know, when, when you find out that, you know, you, you thought the anticipated use case was X, and employees, now that they have tools um, to do things differently that better matches how they do their work day to day, they'll find other ways to use it um, that you didn't even anticipate. Yeah, is, I mean, I, that's a great point, Sam. I get the suspicion there could be many instances where a, a person in an organization, I know I've been this person in the past at different places where I feel like I'm answering the same kind of question all the time. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm getting phone calls about it or emails about it or, or instant messages, et cetera, et cetera, about how to do X, Y, Z, because, you know, I'm the expert in X, Y, Z and never really had a great way in the past to, you know, put up a way or a tool or just a quick video or a quick ex explainer to, to, to let everybody know how do you do this type of thing or where's this bit of knowledge. And it seems like maybe your, your customers can find that pretty easily using Panopto, like where, like, hey, 
this may not be in the official, you know, corporate learning course or the corporate um, learning um, uh, documents, et cetera, et cetera. But I know people ask me this all the time, so I'm going to create some content to help people understand this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I would add a layer on top of that, which is if we if if that individual knowledge owner in the past, like yourself, kind of feels important or validated or um, are valued because people keep coming to you for information. How, how do you recognize and reward uh, if you make that just open? Um, right. And that's, uh, and that's a, a cultural element too, that you have to also think about the incentives and, and recognition for people who do share um, rather than um, kind of hold on to that and get recognized for those uh, individual moments, but they get recognized and rewarded for um, making their subject matter expertise accessible to more people. Yeah. Sam, I want to ask a slightly more technical slash tactical question on this. And, and, and it's, it's really about this. So, so a tool like Panopto, kind of an enterprise uh, content video content repository and tool that's really powerful, you know, users can generate their own content, et cetera, highly searchable that we discussed, which is, again, I think an, an undersold element of how cool this is, the ability to just type in any word or phrase and, and the tool will just search the video content, uh, you know, for that tool or, for, or that term or phrase, which is amazing. But um, most organizations, right, have lots of other systems, right? You mentioned Slack earlier, but you think about Salesforce or Slack or an LMS system, a SharePoint, maybe kind of a intranet type of deal. Uh, just could you comment a little bit about how this kind of a tool, this video tool kind of can work with and supplement um, and, and kind of support these, those other systems, which we know pretty much every company's got some variety of them already out there? Yeah, and and there, I think there are two ways to look at it. One is how does it fit into that kind of technical knowledge um, communication ecosystem inside of a company, and the other is how does it technically integrate with those systems. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think about all the ways people share and communicate, you know, it's face to face, uh, it's instant messaging, it's email, um, it's a, some kind of to your point SharePoint or intranet. And we would say that something like Panopto is another component um, to that. And each of them has the purpose in a certain circumstance and a value add uh, and a value prop for the organization. So that's kind of the, 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 the map of communications and knowledge uh, sharing and learning tools. But then technically, um, you know, we do our Panopto uh, can be integrated with a learning management system. So it doesn't feel like you're going from system to system when you're changing between um, some type of a, a exam or CBT versus a, a full video. So it, for the user, it feels like you're kind of still in one system. Um, and then other systems like Salesforce, um, so you can actually embed a video. So you just extract the embed code and put it where you want it. You want it on your G... Uh, Google site, you want it on SharePoint, you want it on right. um, inside of Salesforce where people are actually doing their work on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not having to redirect, log into something else um, and, and access um, some other library. It really feels integrated with how people are doing their work. Um, so that, so there's one thing, which is uh, how it fits into those building blocks of your, of your tools. And the other is how does it feel from the 
employee perspective or maybe even the content creator perspective um, when you're trying to do your job and need something. Yeah. Sam, uh, before we let you go, I, you know, there's plenty of great examples here of how Panopto can fit into kind of an HR and an LD uh, professionals uh, toolkit and, and support their employees in things like, of course, just straight up learning, development, training, et cetera, sales enablement. You mentioned there's, there's a couple of great examples on the website around employee onboarding, uh, which I thought was really excellent and, and some ideas around how a video can be integrated more deeply in, into onboarding. Is, is there some other thing maybe, maybe I haven't thought about yet or some of your customers are doing in the HR and talent space or the benefit space with these kind of tools that you, when they started doing it or you heard about it, you thought, wow, that's pretty an interesting, that's an interesting application of, of video technology and, and one that I think uh, it could be very valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I could probably go on for seven podcasts on all the different ways <laughs> that, uh, that you could use this because uh, it, it really is something that's so fundamental to how people are, are how people behave um, that you can match it to a lot of use cases. Um, from, from my perspective and my, my background, uh, one thing that's always a, a, a challenge and a struggle uh, to build effective programs around is change management. And okay. at, uh, how you put together an entire kind of change initiative or change management plan that needs to include communications at the appropriate moment that needs to have the appropriate amount of depth of content for the right audience at the right time. Um, it needs to be sequenced in a particular way. And often, um, you know, email is terrible for that, right? Uh, you can't really portray the kind of strategic value of an initiative, but if you put an executive on camera, you know, you, you get a lot more uh, depth of content. And then when you're actually trying to learn how to do your job in that new world, uh, you know, a, a video that actually shows you, you know, here's here's your new system. Here's the new way of uh, of managing this workflow or this process or how you're interacting with different groups of people. It, it provides such a more rich uh, set of content than attending a, a, a virtual training or uh, reading your new handbook with screenshots. Um, yeah. And those are kind of dated examples, but... Uh, but we haven't stepped too much further into how do you create an entire change management um, approach and initiative that immerses the, the end users. And I think know, that's a great I example. That, Go ahead, I was going to say, I think that, um, you, you know, what you're saying is like there, it's not too far from sort of these things, but th there are a lot of companies that aren't even doing some of those sort of outdated things that we're talking about, right? <laughs> so they're still, I mean, I think there's still such opportunity for um, HR leaders, especially when you think about, you know, you mentioned getting the CEO's, you know, face on a video out to, to the masses, if it's some sort of change management initiative, that's critical. We, we're, as people, we just like seeing other people's faces, right? It gives, it gives some trust building there. Um, they feel a, a better connection with the company, with that leader, um, or whoever it might be, you know, whoever the face of that particular change is. And I just feel like there's there's so many people out there that if they would just kind of do this one step even, you know, for the next um, the next thing they're trying to train on, instead of going through email or instead of doing maybe some other sort of outdated thing they're doing, um, it's it's just, I kind of look at things as either they're interesting 
or they are also impactful. To me, this is an impactful one where you could literally go to your C-suite and say, look, if we if we do this, there is a huge impact on our employees and their ability to, whether it's do something different, use the technology differently, whatever it is, but it's, it's really impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that um, every time uh, I think about, oh, well, this seems pretty basic. Lots of companies already have this. I'm always proven wrong by this. There's like a, like Trish said, there's a tremendous amount of greenfield out there still. I, I know because we get, we get, we talk to people, we get emails all the time about, you know, yeah, I, dumb things like, oh, we, we, you know, we have to hire a thousand people this year and we don't have an ATS yet. Which one should we get? And I'm thinking, right. how could you not have an ATS yet if you're hiring that many people? But it's, um, there's still a lot of opportunity out there for HR uh, learning and all kinds of professionals to, to take basic and fairly simple steps to really advance what they're doing and support their organization's initiatives. And, and, and as Trish said, make an impact. Um Sam, this has been really fun. Uh, I, I'm I'm super excited that we were able to talk to you today. We've been talking about Panopto on the show now for a couple of months, but I'm glad we were able to have you on to dig dig into it a little bit and hopefully help folks understand a little bit more about uh, uh, the technology, the platform, and and the potential it has uh, for organizations. So, uh, thanks so much, Sam, for for being a part of the HR Happy Hour show today. Absolutely, this is this is a great experience. Awesome. Great. And you got that great voice. I think we love it. We're going to try to sign you up for, for some, some voiceover work for us soon. If we, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll email you about that offline. Great. Uh, I'll send you my rate. All right. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> Super cool stuff, Trish. This, I love this. So I am like, we, we get approached by a lot of organizations, but Panopto is one that I was super intrigued by the minute we heard about them. And uh, I'm so glad we were able to, to work with them on, on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Sam, for coming on. This was a really informative and also, I think, you know, an actionable, right? People who are listening can can think about some things they can actually do differently, which I always love those shows. Yep. So you can learn more about everything we talked about on this show today at panopto.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-T-O.com. Once again, thanks to Sam Cromley for taking some time to join us today. Trish, super show. Um, I don't know what's next. Anything else to mention before we head out and, and, and get back to it? Um, no, I think my only thing is I will be at a HCI event next week on the 12th in Denver. So if anyone's in Denver and listening to this, please come on out and, and see me and make a connection. Cool. All right. So uh, that's it then for the HR Happy Hour Show for our guest, Sam Crumley, for Trish McFarland. My name is Steve Bowes. We will see you next time on the HR Happy Hour Show. Thanks so much for listening. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.